Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Creator's Manifesto by MarketScale. I'm your host, Tyler Kern. Thanks so much for joining us here for this episode of the podcast. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by Nicholas Whisker-Contour. He is one of our 3D editors here at MarketScale. We're going to talk a little bit about how he got into 3D design in the first place, his career path, and a lot more here on the show today. So, Nicholas, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Of course, of course. So, Nicholas, first of all, tell us where you're located um, in the world and uh, and how you ended up there. So, I'm currently in Luxembourg, a tiny country between France, Germany, and Belgium. Uh, I was actually born here, so I'm originally from here, and then I've lived abroad all my life, and I've come back here now uh, about two months ago. Fantastic. That's that's pretty exciting. So. Uh, Tell us a little bit about um, how you first got into to 3D design and, and and that sort of thing, because it doesn't seem to me like there's a there's a real uh, clear cohesive path that people take. People just find like, oh, I'm interested in this, and then and pursue it. Tell us how that worked for you. So for me, actually, it started when I was just a couple of years old. Um, I started developing what you would probably call a photographic memory. Uh, where I would go to a theme park or some kind of place with my parents. And then I would just kind of in my head, take pictures of the area. And then when we got home, I would take literally anything I could get my hands on and reproduce it in my room. So using, you know, cars, trucks, toys that I had, uh, but also, you know, Jenga blocks, Legos, (laughs) uh, books, Anything that I had um, available to me, I just ended up taking and and making it. And then I would then sort of like create a sort of set uh, with that. And then I would create my own stories with um, just coming up with storylines, doing my own voices, sound effects, just in my room. And then when I got a little older, I then uh, started borrowing my parents' camera to then film it. And that's how I start, started playing with video. Uh, and then I kept doing that for a few years. And then when I was around, I think, 12, uh, the video game Minecraft came out. Right. And I loved it because to me, it was the next step in that process of taking things and building something with anything you could get your hands on. So I then played Minecraft a lot while I was in middle school and high school. And then in high school, I was headed towards studying engineering, actually, because Mm -hmm. I was always drawing and playing with toy cars and planes. And so people were telling me, oh, you should be an engineer. That's, you know, you get to design those things. You're going to love it. And then I took science and math classes, hated it completely, just (laughs) definitely saw that it wasn't for me. So I ended up trying out a animation class that my school was offering as a elective and enjoyed it so much uh, just because of the way it, the feeling I had doing the things in 3d and then also the way my professor was that about, I think a semester in convinced me that this was what I needed to be doing. This was the logical next step for me. And then I looked into universities, applied for university and then, got out of university and then now we're here we are you know that's in, that, that that's incredible i love that story of just how it developed from an early age and an interest in these things and um i am not mathematically inclined either and so engineering <laughs> was definitely not a path that i could take but um but 3D animation really does seem like it blends those worlds of it takes a little bit of engineering a little bit of 
building and then uh, a lot of artistic ability and kind of combines them together in an interesting way, right? So you, you kind of have to have those sorts of interests in order to kind of form uh, the the entirety of a career in this area, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been someone that's been more technically inclined in terms of even in 3D, uh, you know, in college, you had the people who were very much, they only wanted to draw and do 2D animation. You had the people who just wanted to do character animation. And I was always in that group of people that just wanted to do more of the techie side of animation. So, you know, the modeling, the texturing, the lighting, the camera moves, uh, that does sort of things. That was always where I ended. And I think that's just because I've always... Weirdly enough, I think, you know, people usually what I've noticed either have a very uh, stats brain or a very creative brain. And mm -hmm. usually the two don't tend to mix that often. Like you usually have one that's very, very dominant and the other one that's a little less dominant. Like it's still there, but it's not as developed or maybe as in uh, like you don't use it as much. Right. And for me, I found that I tended to have a bit of both where I would use a lot of my statistical approach to a situation with my creative twist, which is really helpful in a lot of situation, but it meant that like, I was always more technically leaning than more, most people maybe were. So a lot of people maybe mistook that when I was growing up and tr were trying to guide me in a direction, they probably mistook that for me being more of an engineer than a creative, but I was always a creative at heart because that's just what I've been doing since I could talk, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's a, that's a really interesting point that it's, it's kind of a blending of that right brain, left brain um, type of thing that uh, comes together in a really interesting way that I think makes this such a unique skill set and such uh, an incredible form of, uh, of art, but also technical ability, you know? Yeah, no, I think it's, that's, that's really it for me. It's, I think that's why I love 3D so much is because you can really blend that technical ability and how far you can push uh, the tech and how, I mean, it's crazy when you look at animation and VFX, how much it's grown over the last even just 10 years, right. uh, just what the computers are capable of doing now. Um, and I think it's about really, you can take that technical you know, expertise and everything, and then mix it with a creative twist to make it something that is going to make people feel something uh, rather than just because in fairness, you know, if you didn't have the creative component, you could, you could have machines just doing the stuff for mm -hmm. you. Um, but I think the creative side really allows you to kind of have that hum human side, something that a machine can't do, you know, as of yet, but at least I'd like to think that that's something that it's a sensibility that you have to have that a machine or like an AI uh, system can't, for example, reproduce, you know? Right. Right. So what was it like? You, you obviously, um, as a kid, you know, were using Legos and anything you could get your hands on to, to build the certain things that you were seeing out in the world. Right. And then uh, you talked about Minecraft and, and kind of the ability that that gave you to, to build and to, to create these things. What was it then like learning the tools to do actual 3D animation? Um, what was it like kind of converting everything that had always been uh, through these different formats into using the tools that are provided for for 3D animation? What was that process like for you? I mean, I'm going to use a metaphor, I think, to to describe it, but it really felt like I had been looking through a keyhole 
And then it was like, finally the door opened and I could see through the entire doorway. And I thought that was, uh, that really is like the best way I can describe how it felt. Um, and it really felt like, you know, I had developed some basic knowledge of, of of filmmaking using Minecraft. I mean, in Minecraft, uh, I'm not sure if you've, if you've played Minecraft, uh, in the past, but, um, you can sort of play around with it and almost practice making camera moves, for example. Uh, and then what I did is I would take it further than just playing Minecraft. I would practice sort of camera moves, come up with stories, film it, and then uh, edit it on uh, like a software like Premiere Pro. And that's where I also developed my skills as an editor mm-hmm. and uh, adding sound to it and just trying to mix everything together. And so when I first started learning about 3D, it really felt like those skills that I had learned, the editing, the uh, mix of visual and sound really came together. And obviously the tools allow you to push things uh, a lot further. Obviously with Minecraft, it's all blocks. So you can do a lot of things, but you know, there's a certain like feeling that you can't reproduce uh, that you can do in 3D because you have more control of everything. You know, you can create a an object that has smooth shape and that you can play with the surfacing of it so you have more control which allows you to create something uh a lot crazier and a lot more realistic in a way and so that's something that appealed to me while learning about 3d Mm. it's interesting you know so my ability to design things start started and stopped with like roller coaster tycoon and building bad roller coasters in that game and i just you know that was that was fun but that was about as far as i could ever get but nowadays kids are getting into minecraft and and it's being used to teach them um, different skills at younger and younger ages right so do you see maybe the potential for more people to get into animation and some of the things that you've you've been able to accomplish and achieve at, at maybe younger ages because they have these tools available to them now at, at younger ages? For sure. Absolutely. It's, it's funny that you mentioned Roller Coaster Tycoon because for me, that was also something that definitely influenced my creative side uh, growing up. I loved Roller Coaster Tycoon um, when I was a lot younger. And um, I definitely think that you can take 3D and teach kids something that they wouldn't be able to learn um, without it, I think there's definitely a sort of, in a weird way, I think with 3d, you have to have a lot of discipline, which, Mm. because you have to be really organized and you have to make sure that you do things in a certain way, because if you try to go too fast and skip a step, your product is going to suffer later down the line. So without trying to get too technical, I mean, if you are making, if you're modeling a car and you kind of do it in a very fast way and you don't pay attention to the little details and uh, the way you build the car, later down the line when you're adding surfaces and lighting, you might encounter some issues where the surfaces don't line up exactly the way you want or uh, it's going to look a little bit weird. So you have to then go back and redo steps uh, to fix that. But if you take the right approach from the start, you can save time later. And I think that's something that's a really important skill that can be used to any career, really. And I also think that it forces you to think outside the box as well, because with animation being so open-ended and you can create really any world you want, you can really let your imagination kind of let loose. I think for me, sometimes when I look at 
I think definitely having done a lot of animation and at least having learned the process and all the techniques, when I see certain things out in the in nature, or whatever, I think about it differently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'll use an example that actually happened this weekend. I was out um, on a walk with a friend and we did a quick bathroom stop. And when we were washing our hands there, you know, those like automatic soap dispensers um, yeah, yeah. that you usually see in, in, in bathrooms, like public bathrooms. So we, we were using soap to wash our hands and then some of the soap just kind of fell out and I looked at it and the way it kind of fell on the, the sink, it looked like a little character. Uh, and I, I ended up taking a picture of it and I was thinking, I was like, oh, I'm going to go back and look at it again because I think I could definitely use that. So I think in a way, animation kind of develops your critical thinking Hmm. and you can then use that to look at things differently. And you might start seeing things in a slightly different light. Um, obviously this is a very specific example, but I think it applies to, really anything. Um, it definitely helps you develop your critical brain, which I think is something most people who don't really know about animation don't really think that animation can do, but it really can. So, Yeah, that's that's a good point. And, and I suppose it, it kind of brings in that idea of being able to draw inspiration from from just about anywhere. So you, you see the world differently than I do, um, but you can find places and find inspiration from things that maybe other people would just normally pass by right so so you're constantly kind of analyzing and seeing the world and, and seeing you know how is this made how can i recreate this and that sort of thing yeah i mean i i i look at the world very differently I've, i mean i always have and i think that's just something that happens when you have you're more naturally uh kind of geared towards a creative brain right. you just naturally see things differently but i always look at situations uh, in a different, different way. I mean, for example, when I go into, you know, to visit a castle, for example, or a museum, the first thing that I will look at, I know a lot of people will probably look at, oh, look at the architecture or look at the, um, the way the, the paintings are set up on the wall, you know, like things you would first see at first glance. For me, the first thing I pay attention is, how the light is in the room. I'm, I'm very obsessed by lighting. And I mean, a lot of my work is very lighting heavy. Yeah. Um, and so for me, naturally, because I think about lighting so much, when I go into a room, I always think about lighting um, first. And I'm like, okay, well, this is this type of light. Uh, you can kind of, it, it definitely creates an atmosphere. And that's something that I paid a lot of attention to that, you know, I don't know, 70, 80% of people probably wouldn't even notice because it's not that relevant but to me at least it's something that i can then take in and then uh, apply to my own work because i think the best thing with animation and i think something you'll you'll notice a lot of artists do is they draw a lot of inspiration from their own surroundings and environments and so being able to go in and get inspiration from like if you go to this place you get I don't know, you take the surface from this specific thing, you take the lighting from this other environment, you mix it it with a story that you read or something that you heard, and you can kind of create something really unique that hasn't really been done before. And so that's something that I think as an artist, you always think about when you go anywhere. And I find myself sometimes just taking out uh, my, my phone and on my notes, just writing down something about, oh, like, 
look this up because we went to this place and I noticed this specific type of tree or this specific color or even I'm a very big visual learner. So I do like, I do a lot of uh, just kind of taking pictures and then going back and looking at it again. So hmm. I like that. I like that's that's really interesting. I um no, the, hearing just about people's creative process is always fascinating to me. Ha, have you encountered other people that maybe have made you um ha, have maybe helped you see different perspectives and, and maybe altered or changed your creative process or added to it um, because of you're like oh that's a really interesting way of thinking about it. Ha, have you met anybody or talked to other uh, animators who have made you? Um, or maybe opened your eyes to different ways of seeing certain situations or certain things? Yeah, absolutely. And I would say it's definitely happened more. I have two people in mind specifically that um, I've met in the last two years that have really like changed my perspective on animation. And they've both given me actually similar advice in terms of the general process. One was a uh, person that works at a uh, animation studio uh, here in, in Luxembourg. Mm -hmm. And he kind of told me about how it's really important whenever you make a piece of art to really think about what story it's telling, especially if you're just doing a still image that is 3D, you still want to be able to tell a story and that someone who doesn't know anything about the project or anything about um, what you're creating should still be able to look at that and have an idea of some kind of story happening. And that can be a story that is very much set by you or something that you're kind of leaving up to interpretation. And then someone that told me something very similar is actually uh, Steve Palila, who is, works at MarketScale um, and who I work with pretty much on a daily basis. Um, and he also told me that to really focus in on the story element of animation, because hmm. really that's, Again, I guess that goes back to my point of being, you know, you can't really make a machine do this because you have to have that sensibility. The story is really what separates it from being something that a machine creates to a um, to something that a human creates using a machine. So that's something that I've learned and that I've tried to incorporate more in my personal work and in my professional work uh, in the last, you know, year or so. I love that. That's that's. Yeah, I, I think it's it's always great to be constantly learning, constantly kind of getting new perspectives and new knowledge and, and that sort of thing. I think that's a that's a great point. So, um, so Nicholas, uh, tell me just about some of your favorite projects that you've ever worked on, whether with MarketScale or anywhere else, really. Just uh, what what have been some projects that you really enjoyed, um, or maybe the finished product came out in a way that you you're like, yeah, this is this is something really awesome that I'm proud of. Right. Yeah. I have three examples that I can immediately think of. Uh, I'll start with a market scale example. Um, I worked on, I think this was back in March. I worked on a 3D video for, uh, I think, Etherwan, I think mm -hmm. is how it's pronounced. But right. um, I did a little, uh, this was a video that they needed and we needed it done quickly, I guess. So uh, I ended up kind of doing everything from start to finish uh, in terms of the production aspect of the video, not the pre-production, but at least the production. I kind of start, did everything from start to finish. And it was the first time that I got to do that on a video, um, or at least maybe the second time, but it was one of my first like full videos that I produced uh, while working uh, with MarketScale. And I remember that 
it was very challenging because it was a, a tricky project because basically to cut and describe it without getting too technical, there's a super long shot in the video with a lot of animation and that had to all work as one. And at first I started thinking, okay, I can split that into a couple different pieces. And then as I kept doing it, I realized, okay, it's not going to work that way. And uh, also speaking with Steve, Steve also recommended I go into the do it as one whole thing kind of uh, direction. And that was a big learning experience and a pretty satisfying experience because it started out being a bit frustrating because it wasn't working out the way I wanted, but then kind of persevering through it and trying different methods. In the end, I was really, really pleased with the, the end result that we got to because it just, it looked really good, I think. And then we, we ended up finishing in, in the deadline as well, which is always good. Um, and I, I just enjoyed the experience and I felt like that project definitely taught me a lot that I was able to use in future projects after that. So that would be like my market scale example outside of market scale. Uh, something that's a bit older is, uh, actually in college in the last year, we had to produce a film. Uh, from start to finish with a team of about seven people. Uh, some teams had a bit more people. We had about seven and we really had to do all the pre-production, production, post-production in the span of about three trimesters. So it really wasn't a ton of time, uh, but that experience was so much fun. We made a film and I think the film ended up being about five and a half minutes long. Mm -hmm. uh, and all produced by us. So we, we did everything, uh, in-house. We also reached out to a couple of people to help us, you know, especially on the sound aspect with the, some voice talent, some, com a composer, a sound, um, ed editor, but all the visuals we produced, uh, with that team of seven. And it was really satisfying because it was a big undertaking and it took a lot of our time, but the end product we were really proud of. And we made something that we all enjoyed making. Uh, and that I think turned out okay. And I mean, we ended up, um, you know, going on a little festival run, which was also really cool to to get into some festivals and being able to be screened. Um, and uh, that experience was definitely also a learning, a big learning one, because it was my first experience really working on a big production um, for a long period of time. And also it was right after, uh, or actually during the COVID-19 pandemic, at least the, the big bad portion of it. Um, so pretty much we had to work 100% remotely, which was definitely a challenge. And that also gave me experience, um, which allowed me to then work on other projects afterwards remotely and not have an issue with it. So that would be another example. And then again, I guess a more recent example is I'm currently going through in my free time and updating my portfolio and taking mm -hmm. some older projects and kind of I guess bringing them back to maybe a more, a more modern take uh, with some of the newer skills that I've learned. And there was one piece that I was really happy with, but then when I showed it to people, they were like, okay, it's good, but it's not really telling me a story. Uh, and then that's where the advice from the two people I mentioned earlier kind of came in. And then I basically redid the environment for that, um, for that piece. And the lighting and just like spent a whole weekend just on that piece. And I think it turned out to be a lot better and actually turned out to tell a pretty good story, I think, and something that is somewhat open-ended and kind of left to people to interpret, but it was really a satisfying experience to see how just 
thinking about story more changed that piece from being a solid piece to I think a, a much better piece just because it told something and it wasn't just okay a model with some lighting it, it had something more to it it had some feeling yeah that's a I like that example a lot and I, I also like how you incorporated the things that you learned kind of into that example as well I think that's that's really interesting and, and a really great example so um, so Nicholas what advice do you have for people who um, might be thinking about getting into to 3D animation or uh, considering it, or even young people who have thought that maybe this is something they might like to do. Uh, what, what sorts of advice do you have for people uh, who want to maybe further their careers or start a career in 3D animation? I think something, it's definitely something that I'm very passionate about is kind of helping others find their, their passion and and especially if it's 3D animation. I think a lot of people tend to disregard, at least I think it's something that I've noticed with at least the way like the educa education system kind of is. Like I remember when I was in high school and I was considering uh, going into animation, I got a lot of people saying, well, are you sure it's not really a, a stable career? It's kind of a risky career. And I think the problem is people don't have the right idea of what the industry is like. I think mm -hmm. a lot of people tend to think, okay, Animation is like, I don't know, traditional art that, and it's like super risky, but I would even argue that traditional art isn't that risky. It's just, it's, you have to take a chance on it, but I think it's something that like, if you're really passionate about it, you can go really far. Um, because I think if you're passionate about it, you'll work hard and then you get to the places that you want to be. Cause the, the truth is, I think you can get into the into the animation or I guess the animation industry you can get into it even if you don't have the most talent in it but you're really passionate about it and you work really hard you can get really far obviously if you have natural talent for it it definitely helps but someone who has a lot of talent and doesn't really work hard isn't going to get very far because there's only so much your talent can get you um and so that's really my my advice I would give to people is just if this is something that you're really passionate about, just try to learn as much as possible about it. I mean, when I when I started looking into animation, I was that was all I was thinking about. I was watching a lot of animated movies, trying to learn from it, watching a lot of behind the scenes from studios, trying to understand how they worked, um, just trying to learn a lot about the industry so that I could really grasp if this was something I enjoyed or not. So I would say that's definitely the biggest thing to do is just, if you're really passionate about it, do your research and tr really look into things so that you can best prepare yourself uh, to have a, a very successful career. Because if you don't prepare yourself, if you try to wing it, it's you're gonna hit roadblocks and they're gonna be harder to overcome than if you have a little bit of research, a little bit of a uh, pool of knowledge. Mm. That's a that's a really really good point, um, and, and really well said, and uh, a, a really fun conversation. Nicholas Whisker Conter, uh, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast today, Nicholas, and sharing a little bit more about your career, how you got here, some advice for others. Uh, it's been a blast. Thank you again. Thank you so much for having me.
Absolutely. And everyone out there, thank you for tuning into this episode of the Creators Manifesto podcast by MarketScale. Of course, for more, you should subscribe to uh, the Creators Manifesto on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or check it out on marketscale.com under our shows page. You can find it in all of those places. You can check out other conversations that we've had in this series and so, so much more. And if you're interested in joining the MarketScale Creators community, we also have uh, ways for you to do that on marketscale.com. So check it out, tune in, and we will see you next time. 